Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching. We are working hard at creating a gym for your mindset, a place where you can have less doubt, negative thoughts and fear holding you back, and experience more love and success in your life. On the podcast, I interview experts, authors, and entrepreneurs sharing stories of transformation. You get to hear their failures, wisdom, and takeaway to help you achieve your goals and dreams. And today, guys, I owe you all an apology because for some reason I did not turn on my microphone and my voice in the interview is coming straight through my computer. It does not sound good and I strive to bring you the absolute best. However, our guest today has wonderful content that she has come to share, so I left it as it is. I'm so happy to bring you such great value. Next week is Easter and we will be observing the holiday returning in two weeks. And you guys, if you hear something today that you feel helped you, please take a moment and share it on your social media and consider sending our guest a shout out to let her know. I am so grateful for each and every one of you. And through the synergy of working together, we will create the success that we each desire. Today, our guest, Julianne Sullivan, speaks about business culture and shares her journey from quitting her first job on the spot without savings in plan to becoming the successful entrepreneur that she is today. Without any further ado, please welcome Julianne Sullivan to the show. Welcome to the Synergy Mindset Coaching Podcast. Today, I'm here with Julianne, who is a speaker, international best-selling author, podcast host, and she's bringing this great focus of business culture and how she adds some positivity to it and a whole lot more. Welcome, Julianne, to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm pretty excited to be here. Well, so happy to be talking with you today. Could you start to tell everyone just a bit about yourself so they can get to know you? Sure. Well, let's see. We have fun facts I can tell them. A million years ago, I danced on American Bandstand. And uh, I don't know how that helps my future now, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and um, and I spent my 50th birthday in Machu Picchu, so I'm always one to grow in different ways because I think that's really important for anyone's success. And just this morning, I was accepted to the FBI Citizens Academy here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'll be starting training with them next month. Whenever this comes out, that's March 2019. Oh, round of applause. <laughs> Woo! So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I, like I said, I think it's really important for people to keep growing. So having said that, uh, my background is I got a bachelor's degree in psychology and studied developmental psychology and have deliberately learned about human behavior every day. I've made a choice to either learn about myself or the people around me. So that's given me a lot of valuable information on how people act and react to one another, which has been very valuable in the work with business cultures for obvious reasons. Uh, then I went on to get an MBA in accounting, of all things. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and spent decades doing that and learning about the financial uh, aspects of the businesses, but also business functionality and how they exist. So the combination of the two of those, when I decided I didn't want to learn any more about accounting, gave me an opportunity to really see businesses from the inside out. And I started off 
being involved with employee engagement, which is now a small part of the employee experience, and then moved my focus to the business culture. And on my podcast, I have now interviewed over 40 C-suite leaders about the cultures they have created and maintained. They're all award-winning cultures, and it's been kind of like research. I feel like I've done 40 little mm-hmm. mini case studies. Yeah. And there, and I'm also a certified laughter leader and trainer. So there you go. Very diversified background. If someone's listening right now and they're kind of wondering, what am I going to learn today? What problem do you solve or who is it that you're speaking to today? Well, I come from a place of how do you create a better workplace culture? And so some of the ideas have to come from the top down. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, everyone can do their part in their own space every single day. So I speak to everyone depending upon, you know, how they utilize it in their day. Are they the decision maker? If they're not the decision maker, that doesn't mean there's nothing for them to take away. And we also have a large audience of people that have started their own businesses. So I would think there'd be opportunity for them to start growing it from that foundation from the beginning. Would that be fair to say? Oh, yeah. And absolutely. You want to do that as a foundational idea. Because as you scale up, whether it's with employees or customers, you're going to have to communicate (laughs) only if you want to be successful. (laughs) So I know you told us you have some exciting stories. Can you start with one that people might be able to relate to of your own life, maybe early on before you got really immersed into this work? Oh, absolutely. In my 20s, I lived in a ski resort and I was very non-skilled then. And I started off in this ski resort being a maid at a hotel. I was the lady who made your beds, cleaned your bathrooms, and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And then I took a step up and I became the head maid at a condo complex and worked for this guy named Bob. It was funny. Once I was telling this story in a at a conference and a lady yelled out, it's always Bob. So, <laughs> But anyway... Bob was a really negative human being. And oh, yeah, let me backtrack. I always tell this story because I say I was an early adapter millennial. The reason I love millennials is they came into the workplace and said, you must care about me as a human being. And Mm -hmm. I love them for that. So Bob was really a negative person. And every time we'd have a meeting If things were going well, he'd just keep going until he found something that wasn't going as well as he would like so he could be negative. Mm -hmm. And one day when I was 23 and didn't have two pennies to rub together, I said, Bob, you are always so negative. You never have anything positive to say. And he looked at me and said, well, that's the way it is. If you don't like it, you can quit. And, you know, my mouth opened up all on its own. And I said, well, this is my last day. Because even then, having no real future in front of me, I knew that was not a way to live. Yeah. Oh, Sue, you're really coming at this from a place of personal experience. (laughs) 
So um, I always knew you you didn't want to work for people like that. Little did I know later in life, I would be the one to come up with ideas for companies on how to make sure you don't create a culture like that. Now, do you have any idea why cultures like that exist? I know I've sure been involved in a couple of those and it just sucks the life right out of you. Uh, Because it's always worked in the past. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of companies, it's the saying of, but we've always done it this way. Mm -hmm. And many, many companies are locked into that. Some people come out of those environments, start their own companies. I just interviewed somebody this morning And that was their impetus when they started their company to make sure theirs wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. But there's still, as far as I'm concerned, too many companies who don't understand uh, that it's so important to care about the whole being that works for them. I personally think in the next five to seven years, We're going to see quite a few businesses, uh, even big ones like Sears, who aren't going to step up and realize that culture is important or service to their customers are important in different ways than they've done it before. And for many of them, they're not going to have the people they even need to, uh, to get their products and services out to their clients. Because, you know, we're in an employee shortage in many uh, areas of the workplace, of the workforce, and people just aren't going to work for you if you treat them poorly. Yeah, my daughter's a millennial, and I can even see that with her and her friends, that they're not willing to put up with that type of treatment, and they just don't feel it's worth it for any amount of money. And they don't need to, because there's another job for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where do you think we should go from here? There's so many like directions. I just want to pull you in, but what do you think? <laughs> well, I think the one thing you and I talked about is, and this will relate no matter where you are in the spectrum or framework of where you're working is mindset. Yeah. I believe that no matter what we're talking about in communication and culture and collaborating with one another, if working together, no matter where you are in that, no matter where you are in the framework of if you're the CEO or if you're the receptionist, mm-hmm. all of those pieces are important, right? Because the wheel doesn't turn without all the spokes. It's a mindset. For instance, I can say, geez, it would be great if my team leader came to me every day and told me I was terrific. Maybe that's what I need in life. However, it's not up to someone else to be responsible for that. So what could I do to create that atmosphere? Well, I could go out and tell other people why they're terrific at their job. And sooner or later, if I am terrific at my job, Someone's going to come back and do that for me. So I I think blame is something in our society right now that's too many people have latched on to. And we have to create our own world and our own success. Sometimes that means moving on to something else. But there are definite ways 
uh, to create your own successful universe, so to speak, in your own space. Kind of like that quote, be the change you want to see. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We need to, I hate to word, use the word need or should, but I have found to have a happier, more successful life. And the research shows now those two aspects go together. When you're happier, you're more successful. That's it. A lot of companies didn't want to hear that word happier, but happier makes a difference. People are more successful. They're more creative. They're more productive. They're more efficient. They're more effective. And we have a lot of control more than we think how to create that atmosphere. And it has. It starts with mindset. When we get up in the morning, we either have a mindset. What did somebody say to me today? Either you either have a beautiful mind mindset or you have a crappy day mindset, right? Yeah. I mean, you kind of set yourself off. In fact, when I talk about employee engagement, uh, the first aspect I talk about is what do you do before you get to work? Because you set the tone in your own life before you ever leave your house. Mm-hmm. What is it that you do in the morning that sets you right? One of the things I do is I go through a gratitude list. It takes about 30 seconds, mm-hmm. but it changes everything, right? If I'm happy I'm alive, then if I get into traffic, it's not as big a deal as if I wake up as feeling life's terrible and I have nothing. Because, you know, that old adage of somebody always has it worse than you is true. Oh, yes. So the more we realize that before we ever walk out the door, the better our day is going to be automatically. And then how do we enter work? When you enter work, do you, if you're going to a place of work as opposed to remotely, uh, you know, working remotely, do you smile and say good morning to people or do you just hang your head and go to your desk? Yeah. It changes what happens in the rest of your day and how things get filtered that come into your life. Even if something negative comes into your life, if you already have a positive mindset, that isn't as wounding, I'll use that word, wounding as if you're already in a bad mood and you figure life sucks anyway. Now, would this be one of the skills that you used? Because I think of that story you share where you, you know, didn't have any money in the bank per se, and you just left that job to get from there to where you are today. Did this help you? Well, I think it helped me because I'm always willing to jump off a cliff. I actually did a fear a year for 10 years. They all had to do with heights. Wow. So I did something that had to do with heights. I went ballooning, I went parasailing, I went rock climbing, I went rappelling, flying in a small airplane and things like that. And what that did was it made me realize that I didn't think I could do that, but I did. Right. And so I, I am a cockeyed optimist. There's no doubt about it. And I've had to learn to tame that down a little bit because I get really disappointed if you get too optimistic about life. But I always underlying figure it's going to work itself out. Maybe not the way I planned it because life is like that. 
It never takes the paths you think. So you got to be wide awake. If you get stuck in your own little vision of what life's going to be like, you won't see a lot of what there is in your life already. It's like that book that talks about the different languages of love, right? Some people say it, some people show it, people do it in different ways. Life's like that too. So if I go through life and I expect success to look like this, whatever that picture is, and I'm only going to be successful if it looks like this, then I'm going to miss a lot of the success I have. So again, that's back to mindset. Do you have an open mindset, an open perspective? I talk a lot about perspective when I do uh, trainings and talks on change. Mm-hmm. Having an open perspective is, it just opens doors. It opens ideas. It opens choices. And when you have a more open ability to see other people's perspectives, you might not agree with them totally, but you'll take a little piece like you were talking about before, before we started this, you took a little bit of what I said to change up your podcast. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't agree with everything I do, but that little piece, again, I interviewed somebody today and there was some little piece of something they do in their company. It was like, wow, I'm going to use that for something completely different, but it'll work over here for me. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. So the more open we are to other people's perspectives uh, and not get so stuck in our own way of thinking, the more opportunities there are for us. It's kind of like when I got a degree in accounting, there wasn't just, you know, public accounting for me to do. I've been a professor. I've worked in private. I've worked in public. I have been a recruiter. There are a lot of different jobs I could get with accounting. And of course, now it's helping me with culture because I understand how businesses work. But had I gone into it, say, oh, I'm going to be in public accounting and that's all I'm going to do, it would have really restricted my opportunities. So what I would say to the listener is, Whatever where whatever direction you're going in, don't do it with blinders on. Be open, especially if you're going into business. You got to listen to your customers. They'll tell you what they want. You don't. It's not so important what you want to give them. It's more important what they want from you. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I am just so interested on this philosophy that to me it's a little delicate to learn because. You don't want to go like way outside the box of what you do, but if you're narrow-minded and only offer what you want to offer, you're going to lose a lot of people. How do you advise people to find that balance between what they want to do and what they end up doing? Again, I think you have to be open. There, there's a couple of things. First of all, you have to be true to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody can say to you, I want you to speak on algebra and If you don't like algebra and you don't know algebra, you shouldn't speak about algebra, right? Even if people ask you. Yeah. But if you're a speaker like I am and a trainer and people, what they really like is change management more than collaboration, then 
you know, how do I know that? Because people ask me to speak about that more and train more about that than they do collaboration. Okay. Right? So if I like collaboration, I bet I can put collaboration within change management, right? And still get that piece in there. But, you know, it's like somebody said once they had one speech with a hundred different titles, right? You just can fit it to the person who's asking for it. Uh, one of um, the aspects of what I do that I'm very proud of is I always tell my clients, I just have the framework. So we put all the furniture and the wallpaper and rugs and stuff like that together. Oh, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Right. I, I just have the studs and the walls and then we do the rest together because it's not about what I want. It's about what your customer wants. Today, I talked to somebody who makes these glasses that, uh, that uh, Swanwick. Oh. And, you know, Swanwick's sleep. He was on the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I just interviewed him this morning and um, I said to him, why don't you have clip-ons? Yes, I say that too. <laughs> so he just sent it off. I said, I would buy clip-ons. I don't want a pair of glasses that go over my glasses. That'll be uncomfortable. I want clip-ons. So right, if he just said, yeah, well, I'm not going to make clip-ons. He might, and they may never do it, but at least you think about it and say, maybe there's a, you know, if enough people ask about it, that's why it's important in business when people are giving you input, when you're asking for input, that you actually read the input. Same with your employees, right? It's important if you're asking for employee engagement, then listen to what they have to say mm -hmm. as opposed to just going through the motions. So, yeah, great, great example. How do you continue connecting the dots on your own journey? I'm still so curious to know how you went from point A to the accounting to where you are now. <laughs> well, when I was in accounting, everybody wants to know that. How did you become a psychologist accountant? <laughs> you know, what? And, and how did you get out of that? Well, the thing with accounting, the reason I left account, the reason I left psychology was I couldn't make any money, honestly. Uh, and, and then actually before I left the ski resort, I was doing bookkeeping and it was fun. It was a puzzle to me, but I got to a point where I seriously didn't want to learn one more aspect or tool or skill in accounting. And when you're not willing to learn anymore, you need to leave it behind. And I knew that. And I had always done presentations and I had been in Toastmasters and I was a certified Toastmaster when they had such a thing. And I never had any problems speaking. And I got these great testimonial letters from people. So when I left accounting, I was looking through a file I have called a fuzzy file. And when people write me nice cards or testimonials or whatever in those days, when they used to actually write them, I would keep them in a file, in my fuzzy file. So in case I was ever feeling like, what am I doing? I had testimony there. You're doing a good thing. So I was looking through that and I said, ooh, I'm going to become a professional speaker. But I had no idea what that meant. Um, and I joined the National Speakers Association, which was the smartest decision I ever made. And because they teach you about the speaking business, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. 
And I kind of went down that path. And honestly, in the beginning, I said, oh, I can speak on anything except algebra. And I thought that was a <laughs> good thing to say, which you cert you learn is not. And so now I'm completely focused on business culture. Now, I speak about communication. I speak about collaboration. I speak about change management. But that really all has to do with business culture in one aspect or another. Oh, well, thanks for sharing. That is just an incredible story to hear. Well, it's been an incredible journey, and it's uh, very much like a roller coaster. You're an entrepreneur. You know, being an entrepreneur is uh, you got to have tough skin and be willing to make a leap. And uh, so I'm usually willing. Sometimes I fight it a little bit, but. <laughs> I just I have all my own story going on. Can I share just a little bit? Please. So I had a heart attack, and I had to leave my career. And now looking back, I missed every signal that you've given to have left because <laughs> I quit learning by the five-year mark and there was nothing left to learn. So I filled my whole day trying to learn new things that I couldn't even use. And then on top of that, it was that very negative culture that you talked about. And there's just so many little red flags that I see. They would tell us when I get called into the management office, just put your blinders on and just stare straight ahead and just do your job and don't go outside that job to help anybody else. So it's just so incredible as I'm listening to Not you talk. Not collaboration, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's so many little signs before a health catastrophe comes. And uh, I think this, this work you're sharing is so important because if people see those signs, I went for 10 years. So that's like five years over where you're saying would have been the look for something else part. Yeah, and the thing is, is there's so much research out there now, and I know a lot of this through the Certified Laughter Leadership, because uh, we study a lot about health and the benefits of less stress. And stress is just not good for you, period. And it will make you ill physically and emotionally, but definitely physically. Mm -hmm. You know, people who are stressed out are more obese, they have higher blood pressure. They have higher uh, um, instances of diabetes and heart attacks and strokes. And stress is not good. This is not a normal, oh, well, everyone has major stress. Now, sometimes stress is good in short periods, but elongated stress is, you know, brings you disease, right, which is disease broken apart. So there you go. You're using your psychology degree. <laughs> I can't help it. That and the fact, like I said, I deliberately learn about human behavior every day. So I, I got a treasure chest of information in my head. So now the companies that you're working with, in theory, is their employees less likely to have all those symptoms that you're talking about? Are they trying to grow cultures that will actually put the employee's health in a good way? Well, absolutely. So of the 40 or more leaders that I've talked to, they realize that their employees are a whole being. You know, this notion of your private life is your private life and your work life is your work life is, is doesn't exist. It never has, but that was the mindset that businesses used, right? So, but it's, it's never really existed. We're, that's why we went from wellness programs to well-being 
mm-hmm. right? We used to have wellness programs. Oh, let's bring in a massage therapist. Let's do this. Let's do that. Now it's well-being. We're finding more and more companies are bringing people in to talk to their workforce about money management, about stress management, about diet, about exercise, all everything that makes a whole person, mm-hmm. right? Because we are whole beings. And, uh, you know, the, the companies that have successful cultures, and I mean they're successful and their retention rates are high and their productivity is more, and it makes their bottom line higher, right? They make more money because people are happier what they're doing. They're feeling fulfilled. They get the training that they need to do their job and to be a better human being. It's like companies really, really care about social responsibility. They'd rather work for a company that has some social responsibility than doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone's just tuning in late here, I just want to let them know that you're listening to Julianne Sullivan and everything she's sharing will be linked in at synergymindsetcoaching.com slash Julianne, A-N-N. Julianne, can I ask you, will you share your favorite book with us? Oh, my favorite book is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And um, I, every time I read that book, there's a new one that's important for me. The one that keeps popping up is Be uh, Impeccable with Your Word, because I'm a communications specialist. Um, and it seems really easy, but when you really work at it 24 hours a day, it takes some work, and I I love that book. Um, let's see if I can remember the four. Uh, be impeccable with your wor- word. Do your best. Don't take things personally, and I'm not going to be able to remember the fourth. But it's a phenomenal book for what looks like easy ways to live. Love it. And that gives them motivation to find the book because then they have to find what that fourth one is if they want to know. (laughs) There you go. I did it on purpose. All right. (laughs) How about podcasts? Do you have a favorite podcast? Well, besides my own, uh, (laughs) which is Businesses That Care, my favorite podcast is Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin. Excellent. I'll link all of that in. I want to thank you so much for giving us your time today and just sharing so much with us. And I just want to give you the chance to have the mic. If there's anything that you haven't had a chance to share, it's all yours. I'm going to finish this the same way I finish my podcast show. Remember, simple solutions can create big results. So go out there and make a difference. And thank you for this opportunity. 